0: Um, I assumed that you had. No, I know. I should have. Let's just repeat what we just did. <laughs> <laughs> We're actors. We can make it work. Um, no, I don't know if it's just like allergies or like the weather change. Yeah. This episode's going to be f- featuring a lot of our bodily noises and functions. Yeah. No farts. Oh, I was... Maybe a fart. Okay, Ghosts I fart. was going
1: to say, because I'm pretty farty. Ghost yours... fart.
0: Yeah. I'm a little burpy. We got both ends covered Oh, We're like one whole person <laughs> <laughs> Full of hot air <laughs> It's coming out of both ends
1: But from two different people
0: <laughs> That's Stephanie <laughs> That's Sarah And this is Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories
1: Mmm House Queen, oh yeah, baby! This is does, does it count? Our, is we this steal fourth something? episode? Yep. Oh my gosh, look at that! Did you just, does it count? if We steal something from another podcast? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, chumps up with that. Whoa, <laughs> we're gonna hit with a fine. Lovely podcast. Hello from the Magic Tavern. No, we don't need to plug them yet. They're not giving us any money. I mean, I mean that's true. Okay. <laughs> I was just talking about because I like them. I didn't get any money from Grumblethorpe <laughs> yet. <laughs> Ching! Podcast hasn't been released that's yet. Fair, yeah, that's fair. I did reach out to two more illustrators today after our conversation. Anything? It's nuts. Not get yet. Nuts. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's offices and bosses in here. Um, yeah, no, I not yet. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, That's something we're hoping to accomplish. So by the time that you are listening to this... Oh, this this will definitely be done. (laughs) It absolutely will Uh, be done. (laughs) Then, you know, we'll have that great illustrator. It's going to be great. Um, Is that her? Probably. Did you tell her we're
0: recording a podcast? (laughs) Does she want to be on it? Um, Does she have a ghost? I'm just kidding.
1: No, because we were going to reboot my podcast and we tried last year. And I told her, I was like... I just really hate editing and I don't know if I can get into that again and we recorded like three or four episodes and I just could not deal with editing them. I hate editing so much and she was like, well, if I knew how to do it, I would do it and I'm like, teach yourself how to do it and so like, when I told her I was making a podcast with you, she was like, really? And I was like, yeah, and she was like, what about our podcast? And I was like, well, Sarah's editing it
0: <laughs> do you want to pay me to edit your other podcast right, because a- I do freelance podcast audio editing Sarah just so people also
1: know. I also
0: doing- do books. you can find me on ACX uh, audible creation exchange under Sarah Headens.
1: <laughs> I did think about it I thought about asking um, Jared to edit it too oh, that a good like, experience I for just, him. I just hate editing so much and especially editing my own voice my own, my own work in general editing my own stuff is a as a video creator annoys the shit out of me editing myself as a writer but editing my voice specifically your voice my voice because I don't dislike I don't dislike it in theory but when I'm listening to myself talking a lot I'm like you get it because you're editing my (laughs) podcast listening to yourself talk a lot is like really weird, and it, for, it just makes me uncomfortable.
0: Well, you start to realize the different patterns of speech that you just fall into naturally, and then you're like, yeah. oh my god, that- do I really sound like that when I have a train of <laughs> This is how I
1: talk! I feel very attacked right I know. now. <laughs> this is very real. It's very real.
0: I think I'm at the point where it's not Like, my tone... I always have a little bit of a shock when I start listening to my voice where I'm just like, ugh. But there's that knowledge, like, that's my voice, and I think I've just come to terms with it now to where that doesn't bother me. For me, I'm like, "Oh, did I really say that, and did I really interject that much, and... Shut up, Sarah.
1: No, no. Mine is all like how it sounds. Yeah, it's all about how it sounds. You need to edit more of your voice and then you Um, just get desensitized to it. Well, that's (laughs) what I'm saying. I did it before when I did a podcast before a couple years ago, which that's what we were trying to do is we were trying to reboot my old podcast. Um, But I was just like, I went to edit and I was like, I fucking hate this. Speaking of my voice, (laughs) I got um, a FaceTime from uh, Brayden and Bobby, who I'm working on uh, a production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Shit, bitch, this is going to be released before your show opens. It is.
0: Plug the shit out of it right now. Yeah,
1: I'm in a production of Hedwig and the Angry Inch here in Philadelphia at the Ruba Club. Uh, starring opposite Braden uh, <laughs> Braden Chapman, otherwise known as Maybe I'm First. Drag is not uh, a contact sport. Drag is not a contact sport. Um, famous for uh, his performance things. on RuPaul's Drag Race season three. Um, this production is going to be insane. I'm um, so
0: excited to see it.
1: Uh, I can't wait to do, like. It's going to be. It's going to be so nuts. But anyway, so they. Um, they FaceTimed with me yesterday to play some of my singing for me, and I've never really listened to myself sing. Like, oh. I I know what I sound like when I'm singing, but I never really listened to, like, a recording of my voice, and it was really
0: weird. And this is the professional recording you guys went and did, right? Yes.
1: Oh. This is, like, the production, yeah, like, a professional, like, studio That's recording so of exciting. my voice. I've never listened to that before, so that was, like... It was weird and, like, very, like, emotional, where I was just like, is that really me? Like, is that what I sound like? Like, I think it, so- it sounds good. <laughs> like, of course, they're like, oh, my God, it sounds! you sound so great. And I'm just like, is that what I sound like? I feel like it almost doesn't sound like me, but I've also never heard a recording of my singing. I've only, like, I know what I sound like when I'm singing, but that's all I've ever had to go on. Yeah, like, and
0: it's different it's, I mean, it's different listening to a recording as opposed to hearing yourself, just the mechanics. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, we had that
1: recording of like, buy one, get one. But, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I recorded that stuff with Eric, but all that stuff was like, like a really, do you know what I mean? Like, it was a really specific thing. It wasn't like me really like performing big. It wasn't really like anything that, you know, that felt like that's
0: but You're also forgetting it's the crazy. other most important thing that you've recorded and listened to, and that is the song for Day. Well, I know. That's the <laughs> other
1: thing that I was implying. I was like, there, you know, um, Day is a short film we made uh, in 2016. <laughs> Ugh, that um, was so long ago. I know. Uh, I wrote and directed it, starring the lovely Sarah Hedden <laughs> right here. That's yeah, me. But I also performed the, <laughs> the only song. I was going to say, like, the. The theme, the main song. It was one song. We just did two versions of it. <laughs> can you give us a little sample of that? No, absolutely not.
0: Today is gonna be a new day. You're gonna, you can
1: like put it a in.
0: New day, <laughs> a new day.
1: Yeah, it's me doing all of it. I'm <laughs> doing the melody and the harmony. Um, oh my God, I know the friends, but you guys, you can't even understand. Do we want to talk about what we talk about in this show? No, let's
0: just keep talking about ourselves and our past theater performances. We haven't like we really haven't talked about ourselves like I I feel like we dive right into it a lot. Oh, yeah,
1: too. no. Well, I I also just meant like we also it's haven't like haven't like chatted a lot lately. This sure, is been
0: really. I'm also doing a show, but it opens next weekend. So yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be none of you, over you fuckers will, will is know. Is it. Up,
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, none of you fuckers will be able to come see this <laughs> this fucking thing.
0: But yes, back to our spooky scary stories because that's what everyone is here for
1: welcome to dead time stories
0: that's where we get into the dead time stories <laughs> this isn't dead time best friend stories Ooh, this, this isn't rupaul's
1: dead friends
0: race. oh i <laughs> and, watched the shit out and, of this, actually, right, oh. and then
1: i was like but something about that sounded like wrong for awesome. some reason Ooh, i know yeah i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: this <laughs> is a, okay Go ahead. What are you, you talking to about first? today? Well, so mine is a little special. You have a lot, yeah. I do. I have three... Three baby stories that I'm dubbing my haunted faces stories.
1: Haunted faces? Yes. So I
0: stumbled upon these and got the idea to do this as I was researching, like, haunted items. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, as opposed to just specific ghost stories of, like, haunted places or whatever, I figured let's look up some haunted things, and I stumbled across some creepy shit. One of the stories I knew already, and I'm going to start out with that one, and then just increase in creepiness with the other two, so... Let's dive right in, shall we? Yes. Thank you. All right. So this first story is about the faces of Belmez, which is in Spain. You might have heard of it. I feel like it's one that I was pretty familiar with and I heard about it a while ago and then I was just able to. Okay. So this is the faces of Belmez. So it started in 1971 (laughs) in a private residence in Spain in the, can you, do you know how to pronounce this name? I don't want to butcher it, but I don't know. Belmes, no. P-E-R. Oh, this <laughs> one. Damn. Pereira,
1: Pereira,
0: Pereira. I'm so sorry, Pereira. That family. Uh, it began in a family's <laughs> home. Uh, the activity began in, in August when Maria, who is the mom, claims that she's in the kitchen doing stuff, and a face spontaneously formed in the concrete floor of the kitchen. Yes. Right? Of course. Okay, I was like, so you have heard this story, or how you're just like... <laughs> no, Duh. I haven't.
1: I'm just like, naturally.
0: Right? So, um, when her husband and her son, John, uh, Juan. Juan. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, do you mean...
1: I feel like Google uh, right now.
0: Didn't you mean... I was like, and I wrote Juan, and I just looked down real fast, and, and I was like, uh, John... <laughs> <laughs> Her husband. We're Juan. never gonna get through this. It's okay. We'll her husband and her son. Um, they came in and did the reasonable thing and destroyed the image with a pickaxe, right? So it That's took what a pickaxe to do. the concrete floor and were like, "Fuck this! We're gonna destroy it." So they destroyed it. Then they refilled it, fixed it, <clears throat> no big deal, thinking it was fine. Uh, but about a week later, a- another face appeared, Ugh. a different face. Ugh. So it wasn't the same one. It was God. a different one. So it was it's a like new words. Hey, I'm here. So, of course, because of this, gossip began around town oh, It became pretty popular. It was a small Spanish town in the mountains.
1: And um, well, did you hear about the pedernas? Like Whatever their name are. <laughs> they like found the fucking faces. fucking in their faces
0: in their floor. Um
1: and El Piso.
0: It's loco. <laughs> it's loco. <laughs> um, so gossip began around town and when the mayor heard about it, he ordered that the image not be destroyed again, and instead, they took a section of the floor and took it away to sure. be, like, archived and removed for serious studies. they so, like,
1: we're going to figure out what some of these faces.
0: But when they came, when the surveyors came into the property to take away the piece and then to examine, or, yeah, they decided to just go ahead and excavate the whole kitchen. Because you know, why so not? a piece, right, so then, you know, just get rid of the whole thing. Let's just trading spaces like this totally revamp this. Yeah, throw the whole man away. Take it out. Um, So they excavated the kitchen, and about ten feet beneath the floor were skeletons. Some of them missing their heads. Of course. Right? Because, duh. Um, So they took the skeletons out, and they took the what? I I feel like I have
1: to sneeze. I'm so sorry, but I can't make it happen. It almost happened, and then I tried to stop it, and now it's like, (laughs) Uh, so I know I'm making a face, but it's because I have to see.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's like, you were looking right at my notes, and I was like, what is she looking at? Because I'm like... <laughs> is she trying to read it before I say it? <laughs> I'm just like... like but continue, I'm so sorry. The episode has gotten way off track already. Um, so they removed the bodies and took them away to be studied, and the researchers found that some of them dated all the way back to the 13th. Century. Damn.
1: And so, when ago. was this? Like when this was
0: 1971. Okay, this was in the 70s. this is not wow, long ago. Okay. No, not at all. Okay. Um, but this is some old ass bones. Some old ass bones. They didn't know were ten feet beneath their kitchen floor. Of course. So they took them out. They you know studied them, and then they gave them a proper Catholic burial, as you do. Right. The floor was filled, kitchen, you know, put back to normal. Right. Everything was fine and dandy. figured we're all good now. We got rid of the skeletons. Okay. Right. I mean I wanna speak right,
1: right, okay, okay. Then why no. are we talking about it? <laughs> right.
0: So <laughs> Okay, of course. Not too long after their little buddies came back. Oh no. Those faces. I mean came they back. weren't buddies. They were terrifying. It's just fa- like it, it's yeah it was like it's just faces it's just the fact that it's faces in concrete just like showing up so they're not like 3D but it almost looks like someone drew them but no one See did.
1: I was imagining them in 3D that would be cool That would be fucking horrifying That would but be this is still really scary weird.
0: but yes it's like <laughs> but it's like faces I'll show you a picture in a second Okay Um so by now the faces were attracting people from all over and not just their little town paranormal researchers flocked the place and finally an investigation was held by the spanish institute for ceramics and glass because i guess it's kind of the same medium i don't but they had the money i don't know so they decided to hold an investigation they photographed and mapped the faces on the floor so like they took total pictures and everything of it they covered the floor with a cloth they sealed it in beeswax and (laughs) sealed the window so like the edges were sealed and then they left for like two months, <laughs> okay, and didn't touch it. Sure. didn't touch the kitchen. And then they came back and removed it, and the faces, faces had moved.
1: I was gonna say faces
0: everywhere moved and were different. They were totally different, Fuck and this. no one had come Fuck and touched this place. it. Place. Um, so here are some theories. One of the big theories is some thought that they were being painted by the family to like gain attention, and so they thought that they were being put there. The family was painting them, etc. However, when they did this investigation, the people tested for any sort of dye or object and they found no dyes, no pigment in the cement, nothing like that. The main theory that comes up is this thing called photography, which is the psychokinetic ability for a person to project an image onto a surface either deliberately or accidentally. So you're just thinking, 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 and it projects the image onto something. No. Apparently. Right? So, that, but that's the biggest thought. Like, everywhere, everyone is like. that's like, the only thing that makes everyone sense. Everyone is like, it's got to be sure. thoughtography. So, of course, they think that the person who's got this thoughtographic powder. Pow, power. power. They think it, and power. then they go, they blow the dust out of their hands. where do they get the dust from? Well, where did the liver fluid come from? <laughs> God damn it. Um, the biggest suspect was that it was Maria, the mom, um, and that she's Fucking just Maria. thinking and then faces appear. And one of the big, you know, one of the things that people were using to sort of substantiate that claim was that it was thought that the faces would appear had Expressions that were identical to Maria's at the time. So they're like, she's making a stink face. <laughs> she's right. And all of a sudden, a stink she's face disappeared. Stink on the What floor. do you know? Stink guy. <laughs> stink guy yeah. over here. Gotcha. Um, and the faces would only appear while she was at the house. And when she was gone, the activity would pause. So How? she's
1: the one with the thinker graphic power. <laughs>
0: That's what they thought. But in 2004, she died.
1: And the faces kept happening? And they kept happening. Okay.
0: Yeah. So. The other big hoax with that, or people thinking that it's a hoax with that, is they're like, cool, she died, but her son is still drawing those faces and perpetuating this claim. Or, there's some spirits down there that are just like, hey, it's my face, selfie. But it's, yep. So some skeptics argue that her son is continuing the hoax, but all we know is the empty eyes of the Belmez faces continue to stare back with no answers. And here's a picture of some of them. Because again, just imagine like you're looking at some shit that's on your concrete kitchen floor. And can you just imagine looking down one day like you're stirring a pot and then all of a sudden you look down and you're like, is someone looking back at me? Was that
1: fucking there before? Is that a
0: face? Did I spill something? I don't... Wait a minute. I imagine it's going to be a lot like the Jesus on the toast. Did all of my tabs just go away that I had open? There we go, you stupid- Oh, what the- Go, go, look at- Look at- Did you see that? I did. It's haunted by the faces of Belmez. Yeah, they're fucking horrifying. Um, yep, so here's a few of them.
1: That is really goddamn scary. All the
0: different ones that just sort of would show up. So you've got, like, some- It was like a little family. That one looks like it's drawn. But, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, that's There's your stank
0: face. Um, so yeah, it said that, you know, images still appear.
1: Yeah, that's terrifying.
0: And that's The Faces of Belmez. And that's one of three. So let's move on to the next one, shall we? Yeah. So the next is called The Anguished Man. Okay. This is a painting. Okay. All right? This is the one that I stumbled upon that made me start looking up all of these stories because I stumbled upon it and I was like, holy shit, this picture in and of itself just looks... Creepy. ...like it's haunted. And I want to start the story by showing you the picture, as opposed to letting you try to imagine, because I really feel like the picture is, the picture says a thousand words.
1: It sure does. It
0: says a thousand ghastly words. So does it close out of it every time? (laughs) All right.
1: I think Alex Trebek might be a celebrity guest judge on Jeopardy this week.
0: You mean RuPaul? Yes, I do. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so here is the anguished man. Oh, God, no, he's terrifying. Isn't that scary as fuck? He's already really creepy. All right, so let's get into it. I'm just going to leave it up so you can look at it. So this um, painting is owned by a man named Sean Robinson. The painting was kept in his grandmother's attic for 25 years until her death in 2010 when Sean inherited the painting. So these are all pretty recent things. Um, The author is unknown. But it is said, per his grandmother, that the uh, painter mixed his own blood with the paint and committed suicide not long after he finished the painting. Jesus fucking
1: Christ. And when
0: you look at this picture, which I'll put it up, it looks fucking like, Yep, yeah, I'm like, I'm sure someone put their blood in that. Like, I absolutely 100% I believe, believe it. it. I believe that entire story. This picture is terrifying. But you can't look away. You, like, want to keep staring at it. <laughs> it's awful. So... The grandmother kept the painting locked away in the attic, claiming it to be evil. And she said that a dark figure had been lurking through the house ever since she got the painting.
1: Girl. And that she
0: heard noises like crying coming from the painting. Fuck that. Sean didn't believe her and was like, okay, whatever, crazy. And displayed the painting in his home. Then shit started to go, dude! Mm. That's exactly how I wrote it in my notes, too. Alright, I'm gonna put... I'll put him away for Put him away, yeah. I don't want to look at him anymore. So Sean and his wife began seeing a dark figure, just like his grandmother described. They heard crying coming from the corner of their bedroom and would see a dark figure standing at the bottom of the bed just staring at us. It seemed to be a middle-aged man, but his face features were not clear. At one point, his wife, and this is in quotes because this is from from, uh, a source I found, But his wife discovered a stranger lying on the bed next to her. Oh my fucking God. So Sean decided to put the painting up and film it. As you would. Put up a camera and film it for a while and see what happens. And he uploaded his first video to YouTube in 2011. And it is all still posted. And you can watch all of them. So he uploaded the video in 2011. The video shows the painting in a room by itself. Um, And in the video, you can see the door to the room that is off to the left, just close throughout the video. You hear loud bangs and scraping sounds. Since the first video that he uploaded, that one, Sean's uploaded six other videos between the span of 2011 and the most recent one was on August of 2017. So like Mm. what? Eight months ago? Yeah. Something like that? (laughs) However, I will say, I watched all of the videos. There are no videos posted between December of 2011 and February of 2016. Um, So, take with that what you will. I believe he had it in storage the entire time. I also believe he was talking with paranormal investigators, and that's when some other stuff happened, so he didn't upload anything to his personal feed. But... Um, In the February 2016 update video, he had no footage of the painting. He was just talking about what had been happening Mm -hmm. um, and how a lot of people were calling it a hoax, but he swears that it's not a hoax um, and recounts things that happened in the house, such as walking by and feeling like icy cold feelings um after one recording that he did after bringing the painting out of storage his son fell down the stairs and claimed that it felt like someone had pushed him Mm -hmm. um so in august of 2017 the most recent video that he uploaded again there's no footage he's just recounting and talking um but talking about the activity since bringing the painting out again where they were dealing with loud bangs people being pushed since then he put it back in storage and didn't even try to film it um and just put it back away and that's as far as we know that's where it is today like it's still in storage he hasn't really taken it out there's no new videos uploaded or anything like that robinson did allow paranormal investigators to investigate the painting in 2013 so yeah he was doing like paranormal shit in between those and it was taken to chillingham castle which is a really haunted castle in and of itself. Deserving With a of name its like own. Chillingham. Right, it's like Grumblethorpe. Right, Grumble um, out. <clears throat> That's its own story in and of itself. But they took it to Chillingham Castle What's What doing? I'm just chilling, Chillingham? In my castle. I'm just chilling,
1: But man. I'm like, it's, you know, also like, Chillingham. Like I think we got it.
0: Right, like it's such a ghostly... So they took it there for a seance. of course they did um and it's reported that during the seance they had a circle of course around the painting and the room went icy cold and a dark figure appeared in the circle and when prompted with questions it made a bench a big wooden bench across the room slam and bang in response and then at one point just flip all the way over however some people feel like that's not necessarily proof that it's the painting because Chillingham Castle is,
1: is fucked haunted already, in and of itself.
0: Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people feel like the painting is a big hoax. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have, like, talked about how his videos aren't real, etc. And he's got a few that show... He's got one that has this crazy mist suddenly rise up. And for a second, it looks like someone was just underneath the camera and took, like, the hit of a vape pen and just walked it up. But then it, at one point... One section doesn't dissipate and almost moves intelligently and then goes away. Hmm. And then in another video, which I'll show you later, um, he catches some sort of a figure running past the front of the camera. So I'm like, that either could just be a hoax or not. Take it as you will. Everything will be posted. Another reason of why people feel like it's a hoax is because there are talks of a movie being made. And there's been a writer-director assigned to it. However, there's been no new news. IMDb has, like, zero production info other than the name of the director, and the last thing that was posted about it was on the Facebook page in June of 2017. Mm -hmm. So who knows if there's a movie or not, but if there is, there's a movie coming out called Anguished about this creepy fucking painting, Um, and it apparently is still in this dude's basement. And he he's not taking it back out again. So that's the Anguished Man. And last but not least is a pretty, I think it's a pretty famous painting, but it is a haunted painting that gained notoriety because of its eBay listing, <laughs> which that is a whole nother thing that I want to, I want to do an entire episode about haunted objects that have eBay listings of e- haunted eBay and Craigslist objects and just find <laughs> the best ones Get it, girl. and go from there. Right. So this is a painting called The Hands Resist Him. And let me show you. Because at first I didn't know the name, but now that I've been, you know, researching paranormal long enough, I recognize the name. But I think you might recognize the picture. Let's see.
1: And what's it called?
0: The Hands Resist Him.
1: Gross. Like, it's, I'm like, this is so creepy.
0: Right? Yes. Okay, so here's the story behind this painting. Because it's apparently super duper haunted and when you even search like haunted paintings on reddit this is one of the main ones that pops up that people talk about so this was painted by bill stoneham in 1974 it was based off a childhood photo taken when he was five showing himself and a neighborhood girl standing in front of a glass door just out playing one day and his parents were like hey sit over here and pop you know take a picture um the name of the piece comes from a poem That was written by his first wife, by the same name. And the poem is written about Stoneham's experience of being adopted and not knowing his siblings. So at the time, Bill was commissioned to a gallery owner named Charles Feingarden. And at the final, oh wait, it was commissioned to a gallery owner by Charles Feingarden. And he latched onto that poem and this childhood picture to give the inspiration to make this painting. Um, and in the final gallery for the last time, you know, for the last section of his the end of his contract, um, the painting was purchased by actor John Marley, who's known for being in The Godfather, being the guy who wakes up with the horse head in his bed. Okay. Right. So that actor bought this painting. Uh, another notable thing about that is that the gallery also, the gallery... Featuring this painting led to the first big press mention of this gallery and this painting, and it was noted by art art critic Henry Settis. I might be saying that one wrong. That's important because by 1984, just 10 years later, Settis, the art critic, Feingarden, the gallery owner, and John Marley, the purchaser of the painting, were all dead. And they all died by that point.
1: Oh my god.
0: All three of them. And then... After that, for 26 years, the painting's whereabouts were unknown. It was just sort of hidden in the back of a Chicago art gallery tucked away. No one knew. Until in 2000, it resurfaced as an eBay listing. And oh, Shit. As opposed to, you know, writing it down and recanting it. I'm just going to read you the entire eBay listing, eBay listing because it's great. Um, so, <clears throat> here's the original thread. Haunted painting, warning, and disclaimer. When we received this painting, we thought it was really good art. A picker had found it abandoned behind an old brewery. At the time, we wondered a little why a seemingly perfectly fine painting would be discarded like that. Today, we don't! Exclamation point, <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> One morning, our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into the room during the night. Now, I don't believe in UFOs or Elvis being alive, but my husband was alarmed. To my amusement, he set up a motion-triggered camera for the nights. Like with Dear David. Motion-triggered camera. After three nights, there were pictures... The last two pictures are from that stakeout. So at this point, she's posting pictures of that they found. The last two pictures are from that stakeout. After seeing the boy seemingly exiting the painting under threat, we deciding this painting has got to go. Please judge for yourself. Before you do, please read the following warning and disclaimer. Warning, do not bid on this painting if you are susceptible to stress-related disease faint of heart, or are unfamiliar with supernatural events. By bidding on this painting, you agree to release the owners of all liability in relation to the sale or any events happening after the sale that might be contributed to the painting. This painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. However, by bidding, you agree to exclusively bid on the value of the artwork with disregard to the last two photos featured in the auction and hold the owners harmless in regard to them and their impact, expressed or implied. Now that we got this out of the way, one question to you eBayers. We want our house to be blessed after the painting is gone. Does anybody know who is qualified to do that? (laughs) So, like she said, her husband set up this motion sensor camera and caught two paintings that they believe show the little girl in the picture holding a gun And forcing the little boy out of the painting. So I'll just show you. This is what we got here. And those were the final two.
1: The thing was, when I first looked at the picture in the first place, I thought she was was holding a gun. gun. Yeah.
0: I was like, that's the one thing where it's like, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily look like a gun, but that's a crazy cool story. About this painting, and these people took this picture, and they put it on eBay, and I just love that part so much. And the writing, of course, because, you know. By the way, if anybody knows of anyone who can clean our house after this thing is gone, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, <laughs> who even does that? So, the painting was, because I know you're wondering, the painting was ultimately sold to a gallery owner called Kim Smith for a $1,025 dollars not too bad that seemed bad for a haunted painting right but it had already become famous on the internet mm-hmm. by the time it was purchased it had totally already made the rounds some people which means that now it's worth way more oh definitely some people it was good reported investment. right uh, some people reported experiencing supernatural occurrences just from viewing the listing Oh, of course so the big thing is of even just looking at this painting is supposed to elicit bad things things like filling eel. You said, you said it. I know. Feeling ill, uh, hearing an exorcist type voice, along with a blast of hot air, and blackout mind control experiences. I
1: don't like any of this.
0: However, the owner, Kim Smith, claims to have no real unusual activity, other than emails from other people about how to cleanse his residence and their experiences from looking at the painting. <laughs> Um, Today, it lives in a storage pocket in his gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So if we wanted to make a trip, um, he has only shown the painting six times since he bought it. And he has no intentions of selling the painting at all. And when I showed you the picture, I love that you pause. And then at one point you were like, that's really creepy. The most notable experience Smith has of the picture is he took it out for a group of like 14 men. And he said they all stared at it in silence for about seven to 15 seconds until one guy just said, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, that's the hands resist him. I'm going to leave you on that note with one quote from the author or I keep saying author from the painter because I read this and I just felt like that was really impactful to a certain degree. Um, but he said to this day, Stoneham... 67, now, still receives a handful of messages each week from people terrified by the haunted eBay painting. And he's quoted as saying, we live in an age of science and revelation and hard realities and hard facts, but we are still drawn to the mysterious. And what is more mysterious than paintings? More than any other object, paintings are a -a one-of-a-kind thing created by someone using their hands. Any, you know, the picture has all those hands that you don't know if they're, disembodied or if they're attached to people there's this unknowing mysterious quality to them and i just thought that that was really cool so those are my three haunted faces paintings objects stories all the pictures will be posted and i'm just going to put a link to bill's or not bill to uh sean robinson's youtube channel and you can go watch those videos on your own because there's like six of them so yeah what you got, girl? Those we're good.
1: Um, so this week I decided to uh, look into the Jersey Devil. Um, <laughs> which is that
0: is... anything like the characters on the Jersey Shore?
1: Uh, girl, they all are. Uh, they're all descendants. So, uh, so yeah, I decided to. Um, when we started doing this podcast, we had every intention of doing stuff besides just like hauntings and things. Um, so I'm excited to finally be dipping a little bit out of uh out of that into yeah. something else. Um, so I looked into the Jersey Devil who um, is a bit of folklore up in these here parts. But in my investigation into the Jersey Devil, I found out about some stuff that was, like, way more interesting. Get it! Um, But I will tell you everything I learned about the Jersey Devil first. So the Jersey Devil uh, supposedly lives in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, which is over a million acres. Uh, it is the largest continuous forest of the eastern seaboard.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah, and it's really big. And there lives the Jersey Devil. Um, is that
0: a basketball team name too?
1: Yes, there's a basketball team named after. Okay. Named after it. yes. So uh, the Jersey Devil has a horse head. Um, elongated, uh, hoofed back legs. Okay. Bat wings. Okay. Uh, serpentine tail. Okay. And and red eyes. All right. Um, does it... And horns. Ah, there it is. And horns. Does it also make me coffee? Does it take cake cups? Um, I don't know that it do. Uh, but it does all sorts of things. (laughs) Um, so So people have been claiming to see the Jersey devil since colonial times. Okay. And they used to blame, um, the Jersey devil for things like bad crops or, uh, livestock deaths. They were like, that was the Jersey devil. Um, so they would blame it on stuff like that. Uh, now as far as how big the Jersey devil is, this is the part where I'm like, okay, get out. Signing, witnesses have claimed that the Jersey Devil is anywhere from 3 to 20 feet tall. So That's not a big gap at all. Any, anywhere right in the, the 3 to 20 foot tall cool. range. People uh, have been claiming to see it like I said since colonial times but there was a like a big string of sightings um for a week in 1909 like there were like every day people were like I fucking saw the Jersey Devil like people every day were talking about so it so
0: people were just trolling the shit out of each right? other for a whole week
1: well and it got to the point where the Philadelphia Zoo offered a million dollar reward <laughs> if anyone could <can> actually <laughs> capture the Jersey Devil <laughs> yeah girl
0: how many random, like, dogs with horns glued to their head do you think they right,
1: like I found him? I got him. the Jersey Devil. So it dates back to, uh, so he has an origin story, the Jersey Devil. It dates back to, to 1735. Um, he was born to human parents, to Jane and Daniel Leeds. Um, and he has the name Mr. Smith J. Leeds is his name.
0: His first name is Smith. His first name is Smith. Or is Smith. his first name Mr. That's
1: fair. That's a fair question. So
0: uh he
1: was the thirteenth child of Jane and Daniel. And
0: Yes, dear. Yeah, yeah, you're making it right, I know. Thirteen, bye! No, do you remember? I was listening to this story a few weeks ago on one of my other podcasts, and they were talking about this woman had 13 kids. I don't want to, like, spoil your story, but I feel like you were in the other room listening at the same time. No. Um,
1: so... Because thir- we were both, like, 13 kids. Right. Um, but the 13th child... So there were two count, uh, two things I found. One said that he was born, like, all, like, messed up and all fucked up. And one said that he was born, like, normal and then got all fucked up. But they also say that, like... Which I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. But okay, that the reason that it happened was like while she was giving birth, she was like the devil take this ch- this uh, this child whatever, um and like cursed the child and that's yeah, why he's he the got all fucked one. up because he's the thirteenth baby right, so he got all fucked up, um. So, so during that week where, um, where he was seen all the time, like, it was so serious that things closed down. Like, businesses were closed, people were keeping their children out of school, because they were like, the Jersey Devil's upon us.
0: It was a regular old snow day.
1: Girl, yeah. They took it really seriously. And one of the more recent attacks, uh, is the Winkleman family. It's a mom and a son. He
0: attacked someone?
1: Yeah, he, like, came at them. According to the Winklemans, that's what I'm telling you. These
0: damn Winklemans! So
1: allegedly,
0: right, You don't believe a thing the Winklemans the say.
1: Mom and son were attacked um, while they went they went out to go unplug their Christmas lights outside, uh, and the Jersey Devil swooped in at them, climbed on top of the house, and oh, I was supposed to show you pictures. <laughs> I was like, because
0: right now I'm like, was it just a bat? Did they just see a big um, bat? Well,
1: because there are so it's it got onto the roof um, and left footprints. So I'm gonna show you the footprints, right? And then I'll tell you what people say about the footprints. Okay, so Jersey Devil snow footprint roof. You sure
0: it's not Santa Claus?
1: Here we go. So these are the prints, right? Left behind.
0: Why is he... Why does it look like he's one-legged? Like, it looks like he's just one foot.
1: Because the foot strides are, like, so... Because he has two feet. But his his stride is so big because he's giant. So he's right? straight
0: up. But he looks like he's runway, like, one foot right in for like... He's <laughs> you better
1: work! Them. Jersey <laughs> devil! Work it, girl! Come a devil! Um Right so um, their friend they had their friend come and look at these tracks on their roof
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um
1: mm-hmm. and the friend said that they are nine inches by five inches and they're four feet apart um from it being two legged and it has huge like a huge stride right experts in in footprint picture technology,
0: and what's that field called?
1: I don't know what that's called um that is just someone know what email it's us um so What they've said about this picture, right, is that you can't clearly tell, you can't really make assumptions about footprints taken at this angle, right? If you want to see the tracks, you have to see them from directly above to really understand what it is. But they say that this could be consistent with, like, a bird in the snow and how a bird doesn't really walk in the snow. They kind of, like, hop. So they were like, mm. So that's what people who like that's their whole job say about that picture. So that was me being like, "Okay, well, the ex-
0: experts say."
1: Right. And of course, the mom and her son are like, "I know what ah, I saw." I see, right, exactly. They're like, I know what I saw, and it was the Jersey Devil. So there was that, okay? So that's the most recent thing that I had about the Jersey Devil. So then the next thing that came up that they were like, "This could be the Jersey Devil," is another thing called the Montauk Monster.
0: That sounds really familiar.
1: Which led me into, like, other research, right? All
0: right. So, this
1: is the Montauk monster, um, and it's supposedly... have seen this
0: picture before. ...washed
1: up on a beach in Montauk in July 2008. Okay. So, that's the Montauk monster.
0: That's some Ripley's Believe It or Not shit.
1: Which could also be the Jersey Devil. So, let me tell you a little bit about... He looks
0: hundreds of years old.
1: Let me... (laughs) So, let me tell you a little bit about the Montauk monster. So that was everything I have on
0: the Jersey, the Devil.
1: Jersey Devil, right? Because it led me to the Montauk Monster, which led me to something else, okay? All right, all right. But all the, right. Montauk, or, uh, the Montauk Monster was an animal carcass thought to be a raccoon, possibly, that washed ashore on a beach near a business district in Montauk, uh, New York, in July 2008. The identity of the creature and the veracity of stories surrounding it have been the subject of controversy and speculation. It is not known what happened to the carcass. It was said to have mysteriously disappeared.
0: What? Hold on. That's some sketchy shit.
1: Now, because it was... The picture was just taken by a chick on the beach in 2000. Her and her friends were walking, and they're like, what the fuck is this? And they took picture, and they posted it, and it went viral, and everybody was like, what is that? So... <laughs> there's been all sorts of speculation as to what it is, but the... Uh, William Wise, who's the director of Stony Brook University's Living Marine Resources Institute, inspected the photo along with a colleague... They say it's a fake, like they don't think it's anything. But here's the things that they ruled out and why. They said it's not a raccoon because the legs are uh, too long in proportion to the body. It's not a turtle because it has, it appears to have fur and teeth, uh, which turtles don't have. Um, It's not a rodent because rodents have two large uh, distinctive incisor teeth in the front of their mouth. It doesn't have that. Dog or canine such as a coyote. The corpse is dog-like, but the eye ridge and the feet don't match. Um, Sheep or other ovine, although the face looks somewhat ovine, sheep do not have sharp teeth. So nobody knows what the fuck this thing was. And nobody saw it but this girl and her friends, which is why they were like, maybe it's a hoax. But nobody knows what the Montauk monster is. But initial media reports <laughs> included speculation that the Montauk monster um, might have been a turtle without a shell, though turtle shells are fused to the spine and can't be removed this way, a dog, a large rodent, or a science experiment from the nearby government animal testing facility, the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Which leads me to what I did most of my research into, which is the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Because I was like, this shit sounds crazy. Um, also known as Monster Island. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about this place. This is a real place, okay? I want to make that very clear. This is a real place. It's a government lab. Uh, it used to be a military base up until 1954, and it was taken over by the uh, the Department of Agriculture to study livestock diseases. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote some stuff down here, but I really got more into it over here. So let me switch pages because I was like, ooh, this is interesting. And I even did a little calligraphy yeah, for it. Yeah, Plum right. Island. Aww. I was like, ooh, I got to talk all about this. Uh, so it was first owned by the Korchog and Montucket Indian tribes. Um, And sold to a guy named Samuel Willis for a coat, a barrel of biscuits, and a hundred fish
0: hooks. That sounds like a great deal.
1: (laughs) Um, At some point, it was transferred to the Hewitt family. And then, um, we don't know how they got it, but then they sold it to the government um, for $25,000 Um, sometime around 1897 during the Spanish-American War. And it was used for the construction of Fort Terry. Um, Fort Terry was a military base that was used intermittently through World War II. And in 1952, it was decommissioned as a military base and became a military animal and biological warfare research facility.
0: I'm just imagining them building, like, Inspector Gadget dogs. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever... You say warfare, I'm like, we're talking like...
1: Have you ever heard of the movie Man's Best Friend? That's... You just described kind of the plot of that movie. There's, like, a dog Inspector that Gadget gets out dog. that's like, yes, he's like... But he's, like, an evil Inspector Gadget dog, right? And he kills the mailman and all sorts of... Shit. Yeah, but it's, it's not supposed to be funny. Like, I remember it scared me as a kid, but then I watched it as an adult and I was like, this movie's ridiculous. So the Army Chemical Corps was who was running it up until 1954 when it was given to the Department of Agriculture to study foot and mouth disease in livestock. Um, Which I had to Google because I was like, isn't that a thing that people get too? And people can get it, right? Usually kids are the ones that get it. But with livestock, it's like a different beast and it's really incredibly contagious and can kill like tons of livestock, right? So that's why they were studying it there Um, because it was an island, right? So they could Mm -hmm. study it away from the mainland. That was the main thing was that it's like, cool, it has its own little island, so, that was in 1954 is when that switchover happened and it was given to the Department of Agriculture. In 1992 is when it first opened up to news media. 1995, they were fined $111,000 for storing hazardous chemicals on the island. 2000, like what? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm imagining something like hazardous to people. I'm
0: like Why do they need because that?
1: Because that's the whole thing is that it's only supposed to be like animal research In 2000 and 2002, they had a planned expansion that would include human diseases and bump it up from a biosafety level three to biosafety level four, which is the highest that it can be. But this was prevented by activists from Long Island who were like, don't bring this shit into our home. Like, absolutely not.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: In 2002, the Wall Street Journal published an article. This was January 2002. Published an article saying that many scientists and government officials wanted the lab to close down because foot and mouth disease is very remote. (laughs) Like, not really, like, a thing anymore. But the budget, but the center still has an annual budget of $16.5 million. Holy and this shit! Was, this was in 2002. And so they were like, I don't know what's going on over there because foot and mouth disease isn't really a thing and they're still, still spending this much money. So later in the same year, control of the center was transmitted from the Department of Agriculture to the Department of Homeland Security. Oh, no. I know.
0: I don't like this. I, I know. This is I don't I was like, like where this is going. Right? This I'm, is where the zombie outbreak is going to happen. And I was we like, live fuck close. the Jersey
1: devil. Like and this we is live more real close. So then these things, I was like, oh, I want to read these things directly from, I'm not going to copy them because I just want to read them directly from the Wikipedia yeah. article. Um, so diseases studied and outbreaks. As a diagnostic facility, PIADC, which is the... That's the whole name of it? The Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Mm -hmm. PIADC scientists study more than 40 foreign animal diseases. This one keeps making me laugh. I don't know why. Including hog cholera. Okay. (laughs) And African swine fever.
0: Hog cholera. Hog cholera. Five times fast. I know,
1: right? Hog cholera. Hog cholera. It's hard. It's weird. Um, PIADC runs about 30,000 diagnostic tests each year. PIADC operates Biosafety Level 3 agriculture, BSL-3, and BSL-2 laboratory facilities. The facility's research program includes developing diagnostic tools and biologicals for foot-and-mouth disease and other diseases of livestock. Because federal law stipulates that live foot-and-mouth disease virus cannot be studied on the mainland, PIADC is unique in that it is currently the only laboratory in the United States equipped with research facilities that permit the study of foot-and-mouth disease. Mm. Foot-and-mouth disease is extremely contagious among cloven-hooved animals, and people who have come in contact with, with it can carry it to animals. Accidental outbreaks of the virus have caused catastrophic livestock and economic losses in many countries throughout the world. Plum Island has experienced outbreaks of its own, including one in 1978 in which the disease was released to animals outside of the center and two incidents in 2004 in which foot and mouth disease was released within the center. Foot and mouth disease was eradicated from the U.S. in 1929 with the exception of the stocks within Plum Island Center, but is currently endemic to many parts of the world. In response to two 2004 incidents, New York Senator Hillary Clinton and Congressman Tim Bishop wrote a letter to the Department of Homeland Security regarding their concerns about the center's safety. We urge you to immediately investigate these alarming breaches at the highest levels and to keep us apprised of all developments. Gosh, I don't
0: like that. This is how the zombie outbreak starts. This is crazy, starts. right?
1: Lab 257, a book by Michael C. Carroll, has alleged a connection between Plum Island Animal Disease Center and the outbreaks of three infectious diseases, West Nile virus in <gasps> 1999, Lyme disease in 1975, and Dutch duck, Dutch duck Plague in 1967. I oh, don't know about that one. I don't either. But Lyme disease, I know that people still don't really know where that came from and how that started. And there's this theory, basically, that those are ticks that escaped from Plum Island. God
0: damn it, Plum Island.
1: Um. So there's that. There has been talk of moving Plum Island, moving the where? facility, right? Um. But they want to move it to this place in Kansas, which they're like, Kansas is in the middle of the fucking country. It's in mainland. And they're like, that's tornado country. What if a tornado ravaged through, right, ripped up all that shit and just threw it all around the middle of the country? Oh, my God. I know. So there's all that. And then there was one more thing I wanted to read from the Wikipedia page. And this is in regards to bioweapons research. The original anti-animal BW mission was to establish and pursue a program of research and development of certain anti-animal agents. By August 1954, animals occupied holding areas at Plum Island, and research was ongoing within Building 257. The USDA facility known as the Plum Island Animal Disease Center continued work on biological warfare research until the U.S. program ended uh, was ended by Richard Nixon in 1969. The bioweapons research at Building 257 and Fort Terry was shrouded in an aura of mystery and secrecy. The existence of biological warfare experiments on Plum Island during the Cold War era was denied for decades by the U.S. government. In 1993, Newsday unearthed documents uh, proving otherwise, and in 1994, Russian scientists inspected the Plum Island Research Facility to verify that these uh, experiments had indeed ended. Oh my god. Yeah, girl. So that was the shit that I dug up. And that's
0: real close. And
1: that's real close. And that's all real. That's not, like, folklore. Like, I went from looking into folklore into, like, holy shit, this is a real thing.
0: Now we have real stuff and then conspiracy theories. And there are a lot of
1: conspiracy theories, too. Oh, I I bet. Right, exactly. That I looked at a little bit where I was like, holy shit. And, of course, you know, that, that they started Lyme disease and... West Nile virus, all that stuff is like conspiracy theory kind of stuff.
0: That's fucking insane.
1: But yeah, that's a real place, and I don't know if it's haunted, but they're doing some other scary shit. My God, can you imagine?
0: Haunted by animals, bovines. Yeah,
1: haunted by fucking. It's not boo. It's (laughs) moo. There was um, one of the conspiracy theories that like I had seen too was that um, they were talking about this. I can't remember his name, but like this. Basically, Nazi doctor, who like they didn't try him, like the U.S. government brought him here, but instead of trying him, they like put him to work doing experiments in Plum Island. That sounds
0: like his dream job. Why'd they do that?
1: <laughs> right. Like, well, now you're gonna do, you're gonna do it for us. Like, I don't know. That was that was one of the many many theories surrounding Plum Island.
0: Plum Island. That's that is. Plum crazy. That's- <laughs> <laughs> they got me plum out of my mind.
1: <laughs> plum yeah.
0: Island did not see <laughs> that coming. I <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: see. So yeah, I was gonna be like Plum. I'd be lying. It well, that sounds better if I said this I knew true. that that was gonna happen.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. So there's a lot of information in one episode. Yeah. We both had like three parters. But we did well.
1: We did. My like middle was really like the Montauk yeah. monster is like a segue you don't have a
0: lot I mean but yeah there's not much to the Montauk monster there's Right. there's just like picture. there's a picture nobody
1: knows what it is maybe it came from Plum Island Plum Island is the place where all what? this weird shit happens
0: so I'm like I wonder what kind of animal they were breeding right that
1: fucking weird ass thing I look like a pig it was weird yeah it was really weird I don't know what that was we'll post a picture yep. of the Montauk monster
0: that's gonna be our our art that'll be our
1: illustration <laughs> gross <laughs> Just that picture. Like, no text. No nothing. Dead time stories. Dead look, time at stories. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Look, you look at it. You will be scared. I'm like, ew. Think about what it is.
0: All right, so like usual, you can find us on Facebook, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. Dead time stories. Zzz. All
1: one word with a Z with on the a Z end. The at the
0: end instead of an S. Because it was all taken, let's be yeah. real. I mean, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> you can also email us at deadtimestories dead-time stories at gmail.com. G-mail. We sound like bees. <laughs> stories. De- bees.
1: Bees. Um. And you know what? If you want to follow us personally, we're also...
0: Whoa. No? Okay, never no, no, mind. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find
1: us on Instagram. Um, I'm at S.C. Kernison, it's K-E-R-N-I-S-A-N, my last name. Sarah is at Over Your Headins, that's her last name, H-E-D-D-I-N-S. Put me on blast, everyone knows my last name. Yeah, Sarah Headins. Have you tried to avoid
0: that? No. Okay. (laughs) I've Googled myself once and I'm like, ugh, there's way more here than I thought there would be. (laughs) Because you know when you're dating someone and you find out their last name, so you Google them just to look up any dish. I've dated so many people where I look them up on Google and there's nothing that pops up, or I have to dig for a while. I'm like, but if you Google my name, that that's me. Oh girl, that's me. That's
1: me. That's you. Yeah, that's how I am too. That's how it is when you're in the biz. When
0: you're in the business and you're (laughs) semi-famous,
1: you know they miss my little chin on my. Fist right now. I'm sure they can imagine it. You can understand,
0: listener.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, there's <laughs> more than one. Listeners is.
0: with a Z. All right, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sarah. I'm
1: Stephanie. And this has been Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Furnisson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow, artwork by Remy Slackman.